I'd like to invite each of you to please pray with me. Heavenly Father, we come now to your word, and we pray, Lord, that in all that we do and all that we say and all that has already been done, Lord, that we would praise you, that we would glorify you, that we would honor you and who you are. We pray this in Jesus' name. Amen. I want to begin this morning by reading from Psalm 150, and if you are not familiar, this is the last psalm in the Bible, and this is how it ends. And the title of this message is simply this, What is Praise? So I read here Psalm 150. Praise the Lord, praise God in His sanctuary, praise Him in His mighty heavens, praise Him for His acts of power. Praise Him for His surpassing greatness. Praise Him with the sounding of the trumpet. Praise Him with the harp and the lyre. Praise Him with the timbrel and dancing. Praise Him with the strings and pipe. Praise Him with the clash of cymbals. Praise Him with the resounding cymbals. Let everything that has breath praise the Lord. Praise the Lord. I pray that you've all had a blessed Thanksgiving, and as we lift it up in our time of prayers this morning, I don't know uh, if it was more fun getting together with family or eating all of the different kinds of food. I can uh, vouch for you that uh, I confess to Amy, I think we have too many Thanksgivings because we eat uh, not just the meal, but then we stay and then we eat the meal again. So we had a uh, uh, Thanksgiving meal like four different times within two days, and it's like, woo, we need to take a nap in here. So... Uh, I understand if some of you are still sleepy from your Thanksgiving meals, but I pray that as we step into this message today, continuing in the line and, and understanding of how to worship a king, our focus on specifically praise today, that it will move within you and, and your heart will come to know through the Holy Spirit that you and I are called to praise God. But before we get into those details, let's uh, get into some definitions because we've been talking about worship and, and how to worship a king, and oftentimes we think, well, worship is praise. Well, yes, and then also no, and, and here's why. What's the difference between worship and praise? We have to understand that worship, as we talked about last week, is a sacrifice. It's a bowing down. It's an adoration it is in the form of love. If you remember, we talked about the anointing of Jesus' feet and then ultimately Jesus in the Garden of Gethsemane as we see the purest form of worship where Jesus says, Father, not my will be done, but yours. If that is uh, what worship is, where does praise fit in that picture? So let's define what praise is. Confirmation students, if you're writing this down, I want you to write this. Praise, it is the expression of approval and admiration of God. It is an expression of respect and gratitude as an act of worship. Worship itself begins with the motivation of our lives to love and honor God. The action of this motivation of love and honor is an expression called praise. Simply this, praise is an act of worship. It is that adoration, the respect, the love, the honor, the gratitude outwardly, whether it's in physical motion or outwardly through your heart, your mind, your feelings. And one way to put it is simply this. You and I are created and designed to be worshipers. 
I mean, that's God's number one commandment, right? You must worship God alone and have no other gods before me. We are created deep within us in our, how we are put together, how we're wired, is that we want to worship and we want to, we want to praise something. Praise is that motion, the action that comes from our worship. Now, straight away, we can wrap our minds around this a little bit, but then some questions start to take place because we look at our own experiences. And when we look at our own experiences, we cloud the reality of what praise and worship really is. For example, we might say, look at the evil in this world. How can I praise a God that would allow this to happen? Or uh, maybe this question. Um, what about the person who was born with disabilities and wasn't able to talk or communicate verbally? How can they talk and walk and how, how can they praise? Oftentimes we ask these kinds of questions without the accountability to be humbled and understanding that praise takes many different forms and many different ways. Just because we can't understand somebody who has a disability and their way to communicate doesn't mean that they are not able to praise God. In the same way, the same things that we see in this world that are evil and broken, there is still reason to give praise to God. And we'll talk about that here in a second. Because we have to understand that praise is not just a feeling. Praise is expressed to be received by God. And it's to be witness to the lost, and it's to be feared by hell. I think that's, uh, ooh, I lost my spot. I jumped. Sorry, Tyler. Tyler's back on the uh, keyboard. So everybody just give him a round of applause real quick because I, uh, I just skipped like a page and a half. And Tyler's probably like, what is he doing? And I'm thinking like, oh, man, I skipped a page and a half. All right. So, hey, we're going to go back. Rewind, Tyler, all right? Point one, all right, about praise. The first form of praise is simply this. We praise God because of who he is. You and I have circumstances that change all, of, all the time. Sometimes rapidly, sometimes progressively, sometimes in ways that we can't understand. We've all been there, and if we're going through something now, or if you're not, you're going to be going through something. That's just a matter of life. But here's the truth that we must come to grips with. Every changing moment of our lives and our circumstances does not mean that God changes. God's not swayed by our circumstances. He's the same today, tomorrow, and for eternity. That's the core of Scripture. And yet we hear a common response. Well, in my experience... I've gone through something and it feels like God doesn't care or love me or, or God didn't reveal himself. Ultimately, that's a lie that's been sold and bought by Satan because just because God isn't swayed by our circumstances doesn't mean that he has removed himself from our lives. Contrary, he is all-knowing, he's all-powerful and always present. We must come to the understanding that praise is not a feeling, Praise is expressed to be received by God, witnessed by the lost and feared by hell. 
All right, Tyler, point two. Second, we praise God for what he has done. Praise tells and retells the stories of God at work. It's the good news proclaimed. Remember John the Baptist and how he praised God. He went out preaching the kingdom of God at hand. He says, repent, the kingdom is here. And lo and behold, John was right. Even though in that moment, as the Pharisees are like, who is this John the Baptist and who is the one to come? There are still probably some people thinking, this guy is a whack job. He's yelling in the wilderness, repent of your sins, come into this water, repent and believe, and Jesus is coming. Even though the account given to us, many did repent, I'm sure that there was probably some that didn't. John, this guy who eats wild honey and locusts and wears camel hair, he's crazy. And yet Jesus came. And Jesus was baptized and thrust into the ministry right here on earth. Jesus proclaimed to each and every one of us who he was and what he has done and what he would do. He would hang upon that cross, the final sacrifice for the sins of this world. He rose from the dead and he ascended into heaven, sending us the Holy Spirit. Our praise toward God is centered in the fact that Jesus vicariously died in our place, justifying us before the Father, that we might live our lives purely for Him. And here's the third point. We praise God for what He is going to do. I'm going to read here from Acts chapter 16, verses 25 through 26. About midnight, Paul and Silas were praying and singing hymns to God. And other prisoners were listening to them. Suddenly there was a, such a violent earthquake that the foundations of the prison were shaken. At once, all the prison doors flew open and everyone's chains came loose. Now a little context here. Paul and Silas, they're preaching the gospel and they're imprisoned for their faith. And they don't know what God's going to do. And yet they're singing and, and praising God in hymns and songs in the prison not knowing what God is going to do, yet giving God all the glory, all the praise, that even though they're shackled in chains, even though they're in prison, God is still good. What an audacious faith they had. Did they know what God was going to do? No. Yet they trusted God, and they praised God for knowing He was going to do something good. Because that's in God's character. That's his attribute. He is good. It is a goodness that is going to come from God. Praise is also an aspect of intercession and one of the weapons of spiritual warfare. Paul and Timothy. Paul told Timothy to hold on to what he prophesied over him and be confident in the spiritual warfare at hand. 1 Timothy chapter 1, verse 18. Our praises as believers are sometimes our greatest acts of faith listen with me for a second here in philippians chapter 4 verses 4 through 7 rejoice in the lord always i will say it again rejoice let your gentleness be evident to all the lord is near do not be anxious about anything but in every situation by prayer and petition with thanksgiving present your request to god 
and the peace of God, which transcends, transcends all understanding, will guard your hearts and your minds in Christ Jesus. God is in the business of turning our mourning into dancing, our darkness into light, and that takes faith. We might not see it right away, but in faith, God is worthy of our praise no matter what. You know, uh, it would have been a few days ago, it was on a Friday, uh, Amy, Tyler, and Bailey and I had the blessed opportunity to join for a Thanksgiving forum for the uh, presidential candidates in Des Moines. And I talked a little bit about that, and we'll, we'll have more to come, uh, more information with that to come. But as we uh, had the opportunity to be in Des Moines and listen to the presidential candidates about their faith and what they believe, uh, the night came to an end, and it was time to go home. And if you didn't know this, uh, the church uh, was blessed by the Vans for Christ ministry uh, to receive a van that we can use to drive youth around and go different places uh, instead of having the mileage on our personal cars, all those things. And, and lo and behold, the high school girls named the van Eunice, okay? So we're in Eunice on our way home, just clicking down I-80, and all of a sudden, there's something black in the uh, middle of the interstate, and uh, you would think that I would have cat-like reflexes and miss it, but no, we just, it was, we just hit it. Just head on. Hit it with the front tire, and then the rear tire, and boom, boom, and the whole rear end of the van comes off the ground, and, and it's shaking, and Amy's like, stop, and I'm like trying, and, and Bailey and Tyler in the back, and it was, it was actually pretty terrifying. And uh, we come to a uh, stop on the edge of I-80, and I get out, and I've got, you know, my trusty little flashlight on my phone, and I'm like, oh, man, I don't think we're going to make it very far. And uh, so we're all uh, wondering what we should do, right? We're thinking, oh, man, do you think we can, I was thinking, man, we're just going to, the, the rims are toast. We're just going to creep it all the way to that exit. It's about a mile up there. We can make it. No, we didn't make it, because if you drove, the whole back of the van went like this, you know, did a little dog trail. Um, we were blessed to have uh, uh, Mike Morgan and Teresa Morgan. They were a few miles ahead of us, and they stopped and turned around and got us. And I'm freaking out. I'm white-knuckling. The four-ways are on. The semis you would think would get over, but no, we're in little Eunice. You know, every time a semi goes by, you're like, woo, the van's moving really bad. And I'm thinking about Amy. I'm thinking about Bailey. And Bailey's pregnant. All of these, I'm just consumed. I'm, what? Also Tyler. Also Tyler, Yes. <laughs> Uh, disclaimer, Tyler, uh, if he is sitting on the driver rear side in a back bench, something's bound to happen. It happened in Jamaica. We got hit, broke a window. Tyler, that's where he was sitting. So uh, if you're with Tyler, make sure he's on like the passenger side or something like that. I don't know. Um, anyway, we're, we're, I'm, I'm a little flustered, right? And I'm just ugh, angry. And we get home. And I know it's late, and I text Ken, and then Ken and I talked. And Ken goes, hey, you're okay. It's just metal and rubber. Nobody got hurt, right? And I said, right. He goes, well, praise God. And I'm, I'm thinking to myself, I didn't say this to Ken, I'm like, really, it's that simple, right? Just, oh, just praise God. Yeah. But he was right. All the things that were going through my mind and heart and all the what-ifs, right? It was a humble accountability from Brother Ken to say, praise God, it can be replaced. Nobody was hurt. 
in all the ways that he's right, he didn't deny the fact that we had unfortunate circumstances. But he also helped me understand and see that God is trustworthy and he's true despite them. He helped me see that. And you and I, we need people like that in our lives. We need somebody, no matter what is taking place in our lives, that's always going to point it towards what is God doing? Where's an opportunity to praise God? You know, as I share this story and this accountability from my brother Ken, far too often we go through life and there's not that other person to point us towards praise. And this isn't the world's fault. It comes back to us from a lack of a biblical understanding of how we're to live our lives in Christ and in the act of worship and in praise. You know, a moment ago we read from Philippians chapter 4, verses 4 through 7. Listen to what Paul says shortly after, reminding us to rejoice in the Lord always. He says this, I know what it is to be in need, and I know what it is to have plenty. I have learned the secret of being content in any and every situation, whether well-fed or hungry, whether living in plenty or in want. I can do all this through him who gives me strength. All of this, Paul, what Paul is proclaiming here doesn't come out of a strike of luck, but out of a heart of love, of trust and faith in God. That no matter what, and even if, whatever comes, God is still good, and he is still praiseworthy. And the gospel truth of Jesus Christ is that there is nothing that can ever separate you and I, from God's love in Jesus Christ. Nothing. But we're too easily swayed from that truth and we replace it with some false hopes and ultimately land and dig our heels in on these hopeless words. You know, the, the kind that go like this. You know, someone died. Oh, I'm sorry for your loss. Having problems in your marriage. Oh, that's hard. I hope it works out. Your kids are causing problems. Oh, it's just a season. They're going to grow out of it. Overcome with anxiety, stress, money, family, the entire package called life. Oh, God won't give you more than you can handle. Or listen to this one. I didn't uh, think I was going to do this, but I am. Here's a quote from Sylvester Stallone. Let me tell you something you already know. Should I do it in the Boston accent? No, I'm not going to try the word, world ain't all sunshine and rainbows. It's a very mean and nasty place, and I don't care how tough you are. It will beat you to your knees and keep you there permanently if you let it. You, me, or nobody is going to hit as hard as life. But it ain't about how hard you hit. It's about how hard you can get hit and keep moving forward. How much you can take and keep moving forward. That's how winning is done. Now, if you know what you're worth, then go out and get what you're worth. But you've got to be willing to take the hits. And not pointing fingers saying you ain't where you want to be because of him or her or anybody. Cowards do that and that ain't you. You're better than that. I'm always going to love you no matter what. No matter what happens, you're my son and you're my blood. You're the best thing in my life. But until you start believing in yourself, you ain't going to have a life. Now I, I read that and even in the movie it's like, yeah, it gets you fired up and pumped. But it's hopeless. 
It's hopeless when we are turning to ourselves and what we're able to do in the midst of our circumstances. We wander through life if God is there. But you know, and above all of those examples and, and the, you know, the falsehood of the whole Christian um, meme, God won't give you more than you can handle, that is totally false. You and I are going to go through things that we cannot handle. Period. Where is our trust and our reliance upon God? Where is our praise in the midst of those? Instead, we listen to all these movie quotes or all these things that we read on social media and or self-help books and say, nah, I got this, God, I'm good. I'll just pull up my bootstraps. I'll just work a little harder. You know, that's something my brother says a lot. Hard work works. And, and I, I don't discredit that. It does for a lot of different things. But hard work isn't going to help you comprehend all of what is taking place and, and isn't going to reveal always what God is doing. You know, you and I, we have this tendency, this natural tendency to look at ourselves as if we're going to fix the situation or the problem. You know that moment Eunice is broke down on the side of I-80s and I'm like, man, we only have one spare tire. How can, I, how can I scrounge together another one? I'm trying to go through all these fix-it moments in my head of thinking, how can I fix this situation? And, and you and I tend to do that. How can I fix this? What can I do in the midst of this? But what if, what if we take God at his word? What if we truly believed with all of our heart, with all of our mind, and with all of our soul, that if God is for us, who can be against us? He who did not spare his own son but gave him up for all of us, how will he not also along with him graciously give us all things? Who will bring any charge against those whom God has chosen? It is God who justifies. Who then is the one who condemns? No one. Jesus Christ, who died more than that, who was raised to life, is at the right hand of God and is, at the, is also interceding for us. Who shall separate us from the love of Christ? Shall trouble or hardship or persecution or famine or nakedness or danger or sword? As it is written, for your sake we face death all day long. We are considered as sheep to be slaughtered. No, in all these things we are more than conquerors through him who loved us. For I'm convinced that neither death nor life, neither angels nor demons, neither the present nor the future, nor any powers, neither height nor depth, nor anything else in all creation will be able to separate us from the love of God that is in Jesus Christ our Lord. Brothers and sisters, that is the gospel we need to cling to. That is the hope. That is where our praise needs to be. Not upon movie quotes or on ourselves. And think about what the world would look like if we truly believed that. It would be amazing. And here are a few things that happen according to the Bible when we praise God. If you're taking notes, I want to encourage you to write these down. This could literally be a, an entire sermon series, and that might be something that we do down the road. Number one, praise. When we praise God, it positions us to enter into the promises of God. Two, God shows up when we praise him. Three, praise is a weapon for spiritual warfare. Four, praise causes panic and confusion in Satan's ranks. Praise aligns us with heaven. Praise is an evangelical tool. And praise is a teaching tool. You know, we could go around and around 
and around on the biblical happenings regarding praise. And I don't think we would ever finish. There are so many acts and words of prayer and praises in the Bible. And yet you and I face these different circumstances in life. And I will tell you, there are some really hard things. Things that will shatter us, break our hearts. Those moments where we lose somebody we love without understanding why. You know, that's come up in our Wednesday night group as we talk about talking with others about our faith. And someone said, you know, well, if God is so good, why did my loved one have to die? If God is real, why? You know, it was, it was posed, well, let's, let's take God out of the equation. If, if God doesn't exist and if God isn't good, why did your loved one die then? the purpose and the hope but God is good because even in those moments where it feels hopeless we can't see what God is going to do down the road we don't have that capability we're not telepathic and you know I think it's a good thing because if we could see down the future we try to alter it we try to manipulate it we try to mess it up in some way shape or form God simply even in the hardest and the darkest and the deepest and the the most awful moments of life God is saying praise me and you who are parents and or grandparents you know there are times that your kids test you and put you through things that you're like, oh, how do I praise the Lord in this? We came to a moment of talking with Luella about her birthday as she turned six years old. And maybe not so much Amy, but I'm, I'm thinking like, what, what are we gonna do? Do we, what kind of big event do we have, right? Six, it's a big deal. High five, Amy, we raised somebody for six years. Luella came to us and says, Mom and Dad, I, I want to I praise God for my birthday. And she was sitting at the table and she actually drew us a picture of what she wanted her birthday to look like. And so she put these little scribbles together and, and wanted to have a birthday party in Kim and Bart's barn, Hay Mound and sing some worship songs and have a pinata and all those fun things. And I was kind of like, oh, maybe, maybe we shouldn't do that. But then it, it was like, oh, we've got to do that. You know, it's a lot like life. You and I looking into the near distant future and we're trying to plan this and that and, and we have things in our own minds of what it might look like or what, it, what would happen or how other people would feel or respond and then it's moments like this where it's just a, a complete 180 degree turn of like, how are you praising God in the midst of this? And whether it's an individual in your life like our brother Ken Graham or it's a little six-year-old 
God is constantly good and He's always moving and trying to help us to see and point us to Him that no matter what, we praise Him. We give Him glory. We honor Him. We love Him. Because He's given us His Son, Jesus Christ, who's died for us. He doesn't want to force anything upon us. Simply says, if, if, you want, if you want to trust and believe and to accept, I will love you and give you something this world can never offer. It's the love of my son, Jesus Christ. And so with that, we end by thinking about praise. And we do that every Sunday morning, thinking about where have we seen God move in our lives this week? What are the ways in which you and I maybe are too timid to say, hey, well, this wasn't necessarily the most ideal situation, but praise God. I grew closer to him in that. And for us leaving this morning, I want us to really pray and ask God to provide us those moments and how we can praise and worship him. Would you pray with me? Heavenly Father, we thank you for this beautiful life that you've given us. God, I ask and pray that for each of us and every single one of us in this room has a past that we know, but we don't know what our future beholds. But you do. God, I ask and pray that you would help us to believe, that you would help us, Lord, to live by faith, by hope, by trust. And Lord, that in all circumstances, in all the ways of our lives, we would praise you. That's in Jesus' holy and precious name. Amen.